Let's open it with a word of prayer. Father, truly this evening that is our desire that you would find us faithful. For truly, Father, you are worthy. You're worthy of our faithfulness. You're worthy of our worship. We pray that you would give us the grace in the days ahead to be strong, to be diligent, and to be faithful. Even this evening as we gather together as your church, as we open your word, your spirit work for your glory in each one of us this evening. I pray that you would give me authority and boldness as I proclaim the truth of your word. May we stand on that solid foundation and not stray from it. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. A few years ago, we took the teens on a college trip down to Bob Jones University, and the Toomeys went along with us. And I, I remember when we got back, we were up here, and we were giving testimonies, and Todd stands up, and he goes, he said, it started out, and we were just driving, and we were driving, and driving, and we were driving, and then we got to Grinnell. <laughs> And I remember I, that struck me as just the funniest thing ever because that's really how it felt. And isn't that often how road trips go? You start out and you're, you're excited, you're ready to go, you got the car packed with snacks and, and you get going and then about 30 minutes down the road you start getting kind of worn and then about an hour down the road you start getting sore and you look at the clock and you think, man, we have, I just did one hour, we have 15 more to go. It gets old quick. And one thing I've discovered by experience is that children make road trips even more difficult. <laughs> and yet we persevere. And yet we do it. Mile after mile, we endure. Why? Because the end goal makes every mile worth it. Seeing grandma and grandpa or, or, or going on vacation and getting to that hotel and resting and, and having a good time as a family, the, it makes the trip worth it when you get to your destination. <clears throat> as we come to 2 Timothy 2, first seven verses this evening, Paul says something similar to Timothy. He encourages him to endure. To keep on keeping on, because in the end, it's worth it. Stella mm -hmm. <coughs> put water up here for me tonight, and I actually need to use it, so thank you for that. <coughs> so we work our way through this passage this evening. We'll see three points. As Paul writes to Timothy, be strong. Be diligent and be faithful. The first thing we see in 2 Timothy 2, 1 is be strong. Be strong. You, therefore, my son. You, Timothy, we know that's who he's writing to, starting in, in chapter 1, verse 2. He says, to Timothy, that's who this letter is, is specifically addressed to, to Timothy, a beloved son. 
Someone I care about, someone I love about, someone I love, someone I, I have poured myself into. My son. Therefore. One thing we noted last week is when you see therefore in the Bible, pause and look to see what therefore is therefore. In chapter 1, Paul has encouraged Timothy to be bold. To stand boldly for the truth, to be unashamed to stand next to Paul and next to the gospel that Paul preaches. Do not stray from that, but be unashamed and unashamedly proclaim that gospel. Do not be ashamed to identify with those who proclaim that gospel. So you, therefore, my son, this young man who, who I love so much, who I care so much for. This young man who Paul has just encouraged, who, who's just pleaded with to be unashamed, be bold for the sake of the gospel. You, therefore, my son, be strong. Be bold, and in being bold, be strong. Stand boldly for the truth. Stand unwavering with the truth. But notice where the strength comes from. He's not encouraging him to just grit, grit your teeth, Timothy. Your, your strength will come from somewhere deep inside you. Just grit your teeth and get through it. That's not what he says. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The strength comes not from inside Timothy, but from Christ. It's by the grace of God. Be strong in Christ. Not in your own strength, Timothy. But be strong because the God who has called you to this, the God who's entrusted the gospel to you, the God who calls you is the God who equips you. He's the God who goes before you. He's the God that goes with you. Therefore, be strong. God will not call you to something that you cannot do. He will not lead you to the edge and then abandon you. If God has called you to it, then God will go through it with you. Then God will go before you. Then God will strengthen you. So be strong, not in your strength, Timothy, but in the strength of the God who has called you to this, who has saved you and led you to this point. Strong in the grace of the one who calls you. What does that strength look like? It's, it's easy sometimes to say, you know, when someone's struggling with someone, you come alongside and you say, hey, be strong. But what does that mean? What does that look like? I think it will become clear as we work our way through this passage that to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus is to simply take the next step in faith, to take the step before you, to endure, to be faithful. It's not some kind of, of, of crazy thing that you have to go out and do to prove your strength. It's just being faithful. Being strong is enduring. It's staying on the, the straight path. It's not going aside. Therefore, my son, be strong, not in your own strength, but in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
Secondly, then, be diligent. Be diligent. Be strong in the grace and being strong in that grace that comes to you from Christ Jesus, that is in Christ Jesus, then the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, the, the gospel as I have delivered it to you, as I have preached to you, as I have taught you, Timothy, as we have labored together, as you've been with me in all these different cities, as you've watched me teach, as, as you've taught as well under my ministry, as we've sat down around candlelight, it's the gospel, it's sound doctrine. Don't stray from that. You know it. I taught it to you. You were with me among many witnesses as we labored to, to as I labored to, to teach you this. You've prepared. Now, therefore, because of that, you go and teach it. You commit it to these faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The word commit there is to entrust for safe keeping. But it's not just the idea that you take something and you, and you bury it in the ground and you hide it and then you're good to go. It's that you entrust it for safekeeping with the idea of passing it on. Think of like a, a family heirloom. Something that's passed down generation to generation. I have a, a Bible in my office from my great-grandfather. It's very special to me. I plan, Lord willing, to pass it on to my kids. There's many things that will pass down to me through my grandparents and my parents that I will pass on to my kids and they will pass it on to the next generation. It's something precious. You're entrusting it to them for safekeeping with the idea that they will then pass it on as well. You don't, you don't pass a family heirloom to the uncle that you know is going to go and pawn it at the pawn shop. You pass it on to someone that you know will care for it, will take care of it, will stay faithful to it, and then will pass it on to the next generation. So it is here, this gospel, this faithful teaching. Don't pass it, pass it to whoever you can, but, but, but trust those to teach it, to go on and to teach others who will be faithful to it. Don't allow the gospel to become polluted. Make sure that it is passed on in all its glorious purity. That's why it's important that you commit it to faithful men who will then go and teach others also. As I have taught you, so teach others who will then go and teach others. It's one generation teaching the next generation to teach the next generation. Guarding the gospel. Pass it on to faithful men. To men that you can trust to teach it with the same care, the same passion with which I have taught it to you, with which you have come to love it. That they too might go and pass it on. Mm -hmm. 
we see here in 2 Timothy 2, 2 is the, the process of discipleship. Paul, who has labored to teach Timothy among many witnesses, and then Timothy laboring to teach faithful men. Notice men, several, not just one. And then those men, each laboring to faithfully teach other men, who will then labor to faithfully teach other men. That's how the gospel spreads. It's not just one man in a church. It's not just a pastor or, or a gifted deacon who goes out and, and, and it's his job. He's a good evangelist. He'll reach the town. It's each and every one of us. It's every man reaching men, every woman reaching women. We must teach well. We must teach the pure gospel, the truth. We must not allow it to be perverted. But the idea is not that you just hoard all this teaching for yourself, but that you would then go and teach others also. Be diligent. Be strong in the grace that comes from Christ Jesus, but then be diligent. Know the truth, right? I, I taught it to you, Timothy. You got it from me. You studied. I saw you. I saw how hard you worked at it. So now go and teach men who will teach others also. Know the truth and teach the truth. You can't teach the truth if you don't know the truth. Know it and teach it. And then live it. Be faithful. Be strong, be diligent, and be faithful, verses 3 to 7. You, therefore, with this big picture view in mind, knowing that you must go forth being strong in the Lord, knowing with what you have been entrusted, with what you have learned, with what you've been taught, that you will go and you will teach others, therefore you must endure hardship. Therefore, you must endure. You must be faithful. The goal is not to keep it all for yourself, but to spread it. And it takes faithful men to teach faithful men. So endure hardship. You cannot expect to make faithful disciples if you yourself are not a faithful disciple. Growing up, one of my favorite classes was gym class. I, just, I loved it. It was a break from all of the other school stuff I didn't like. I got to put on my shorts and my shirt and go out and, and just play. I loved it. But I had a, a, a lazy gym teacher that wasn't very encouraging. He was teaching us how to take care of our bodies, teaching us how, how, how to run, how to do all these different sports. And yet, he'd, he'd, he'd have us run the mile, and he would sit there on the bleachers with potato chips and a pop. That's not encouraging to me who's out there running. I, I don't want to learn from a man who doesn't do it himself. No one wants to learn from a hypocrite. 
no, that, that's a strong word. I'm not calling him a hypocrite, but he was a good guy. I, I really did like him. But if you are not a faithful, diligent disciple, you're not going to make faithful, diligent disciples. It takes a faithful man to teach faithful men. It takes a faithful woman to teach faithful women. Therefore, you must endure hardship. For Timothy, that hardship was very real. Paul is writing this to him, enduring hardship. Paul is in chains. He's facing death. His life is not easy, and yet he's writing and saying, endure hardship. Timothy is in a very real predicament. If he boldly identifies with Paul, he runs the risk of being thrown in death, thrown in jail and facing death himself. And yet Paul is saying, endure hardship. Don't let the circumstances of this life draw you off course, Timothy. Don't let it affect the doctrine that you teach. Don't water it down for, for a little bit just so you can avoid jail. Endure hardship. Because there's a big picture. There's something greater that is at stake than your comfort. We're not facing jail. Many of us have probably never faced real persecution because of our faith in our lives. That's something, a gift that God has given us here in America. Freedom to worship. But that doesn't mean that we don't go through hardship. Because this doesn't just apply to, to, to persecution. It applies the death of a loved one. Remain faithful in the midst of that hardship, even when it doesn't make sense. Endure in the midst of a, a surprise medical situation. Endure. Don't allow that to make you become unfaithful. Endure in the midst of financial troubles. Endure when everyone seems to be turning against you. Endure hardship because there is something greater at stake than your reputation. What is at stake is the gospel. So endure hardship. Paul then gives three examples. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Soldiers are singular-minded. When a soldier has a mission, that soldier accomplishes that mission. And there is nothing that's going to get in the way of that. The affairs of this life, the everyday things of this life, are pushed aside to accomplish that mission that he's been called to. I've read stories heard sto and heard stories of, of snipers 
who will, who will bed down and they'll lay there for days on end. It's not comfortable. But they'll do it because they have a mission to accomplish and nothing, nothing is going to get in the way of not accomplishing that mission. Nothing is going to stop them. No matter how uncomfortable it gets, they will endure because this is their mission. And they do it to please him who lists him as a soldier. They do it because they're serving a purpose that's greater than themselves. So, brothers and sisters, we must be singularly minded. We must realize that there is more at stake than, than my life, than my comfort, than my happiness. The gospel of Jesus Christ that is at stake is eternity. It's life and death that is at stake. And I am called to not only proclaim that gospel, but to live faithfully according to that gospel. Secondly, the example he gives is of athletics. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The athlete prepares rigorously so that he can compete rightly. He trains. And it's not easy. A few years ago, we were on a mission trip. Uh, five, six years ago, we were on a mission trip to Colorado visiting the Lundquists. And we went up to um, Colorado Springs where they have the Olympic training. They have this big campus that they built. And the whole purpose is to train athletes. They come and they live there and all they do is train. And they do that to go to the Olympics once every four years. There's a lot of work that goes into that. People don't just walk out of the office onto the track to run the Olympics. They train, they dedicate their life to it, they prepare rigorously so that they can compete rightly. As a soldier has a singular focus on a mission, so an athlete has a singular focus on the prize. The marathon runner does not become distracted by his aching knees at mile 16. He doesn't become distracted by his burning lungs at mile 20. He endures because he's racing toward a prize. There's a goal. There's something bigger that makes it all worth it. And the athlete who has diligently prepared isn't going to jeopardize that. He's not going to be drawn off course. He's dedicated. is another example of the hardworking farmer that must first be must be first partake of the crops like the, the like, like the soldier with a singular mind on his mission like the athlete with a singular mind on the finish line so the farmer has a singular mind on the harvest he works hard 
long days, early in the morning to late at night to plant and to harvest. For the prize that's before him, the sweet harvest, makes it all worth it. He's singularly focused. It's not easy. Those long days are not easy. Being out in the sun is not easy. And yet he endures. He endures droughts and floods. He endures heat and cold. He endures good weeks and bad weeks. Good years and bad years. Because he has a goal. And he is singularly focused on that goal. And nothing is going to draw him off course. faithful, like the athlete is faithful, like the soldier is faithful, and each one of them is faithful because they have diligently prepared. Really, that's what faithfulness is, isn't it? It's faithfulness is diligence applied. When you've put the work in, when you've prepared rightly, then it's only natural to live according to that. Faithfulness acts Faithfulness flows out of diligence. There's a silly saying that people say to make fun of teachers. They'll say, those who can't teach. The reality is far more that those who teach already have. Effective teachers are effective teachers because they've prepared diligently and because they live faithfully. So we, to be effective, must be diligent. And then from that diligence, we must be faithful. And yet it all starts in verse 1, not in our strength, but in the strength of the one who has called us, the grace of God. It's his strength that allows us to be diligent, and it's that diligence then that leads to faithfulness. Be strong, be diligent, and be faithful. Be committed. Endure, regardless of circumstances. Endure in good times, endure in bad times. Therefore, my sons, be strong in the grace of God. Endure, because it's not your strength. It's the strength of the one who has called you to that. And that is our hope in all of this. There's a specific reason why Paul has it in this order. I think there's a specific reason why Paul didn't start with, you therefore, Timothy, you must endure hardship. And be diligent, and God will give you the strength. Because Timothy needed to know before Paul brought up hardship that he could get through it. He needed to know the reassurance that his God is with him. How encouraging is that for us? 
even in the midst of hardship, when you're tempted to be unfaithful, when you're tempted to, to stray, remember. Remember where your strength comes from. And to be diligent. Be diligent to study. Be diligent to teach so you can be diligent to live. talking to a pastor the other day, it was a while ago, and we were actually talking about another pastor, and this pastor had gone to college, when he was in college, he'd gone to church at this pastor's church, and he was telling a story about how this pastor had gone on him one time, this, this, this younger guy had been, I don't remember if it was, he had missed Sunday school, or he'd missed Sunday night service, or he'd been late regularly to Sunday morning, whatever it was. This older pastor pulled him in his office and, and really got on him and wrote him hard. If you're going to be a pastor, start being faithful now. Your actions are showing that, that you don't really care about this. You're not really committed to this. If you care about it, you'd be here and you'd be here on time. If you expect people to follow you one day, you have to be being faithful now. People don't follow unfaithful people. This pastor was telling me how at the time it was difficult to hear, but looking back, he praises the Lord for that man, for confronting him on that, for calling him to be diligent so that he could then be faithful. So brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord, be diligent, and be faithful. And we're going to close by singing the song, May the Lord Find Us Faithful. We sang it before.